It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome to the National Security Hour. I'm Ed Huglin. I'm your host for this evening as we talk about the fallacy of the fact checker, where facts are fiction and fiction is indeed fact. Fact checkers are allies, in my mind and opinion, of the Ministry of Truth. We've seen the Ministry of Truth attempt to be stood up by our Department of Homeland Security to tell us what's the truth, what's false, what we should be listening to, what we shouldn't be listening to. But like the Ministry of Truth, fact checkers, in my opinion, are all about propaganda. It's a propaganda effort to deceive, disrupt, subvert and control through chaos, confusion, and false narratives, and in some cases, pure terror. But today, today I'm going to provide you, the listeners, insight to how the cognitive war is being conducted by our once free press. You know, I try to take a more strategic perspective in this broadcast, and for the last year, almost for the last year since I've been on this program, I've tried to highlight some examples of how the cognitive war is being fought, what you can do to fight back, what you need to understand to be aware of what's going on, and to be able to defend yourself, as well as advance advance the security and resilience of our nation. I use the Washington Post's so-called fact checker as an example today and walk you through several examples of how this particular paper and their fact checker manipulates readers using subtle deviations from the truth. They can be very subtle or how they conveniently leave out key information or even facts to drive their specific narrative. It's all part of the ongoing domestic cognitive war. Now, why do I say that? Because the domestic cognitive war is a blood sport for absolute power run by radical progressives in our nation to subvert our society, subvert our government, to maintain power and control. They use the propaganda in cases like the fact checker, but that's only one of many examples we could take a look at. Now, why did they do so? Why did they try to manipulate and use and deceive different information and narratives? Well, they do so daily in their support of the progressive efforts to deceive, to disrupt, to subvert our thought, our will, and our beliefs. And they do this in order to better control us to keep us complacent and to ensure that we are compliant with their view of the world. As you notice in the fact checker for the Washington Post and just the paper in general, they push a specific propaganda and progressive narrative on a regular basis. But in doing so, they also telegraph their intent. They also telegraph what they stand for. So one thing that, that tends to bother me a little bit 
when we read the fact checker and listen to the fact checker on different uh, media, not just this one, but others, is when these supposed fact checkers actually call out a fact. I mean, actually call out a fact vice the regular style of stating fiction is fact. We only have to look at the Washington Post's Glenn Klesser and his column to see that. <clears throat> Whenever he makes a statement that is blatantly obvious and blatantly truthful, which is rare, then it seems that every media outlet, conservative media outlet especially, points to him and highlights, wow, look, look, he's calling out specific facts that we agree with, that we understand are to be facts. We see the same thing from other liberal progressives who do the same, such as comedian Bill Maher, when he actually calls out the truth. He is also then praised, and you'll see him go on Fox News, Newsmax, and other places like that, and they'll highlight the fact was called out by these people, but it's so obvious and blatantly true, everyone knows it is. But why did they do this? Why did they do this? It's like when Bill Maher praised the red states, Republican states, for offering a better lifestyle than blue states. Well, duh. Just look at the progressive hellholes of the states and cities that are run by progressives. And where are their citizens fleeing to? They're fleeing to red states. I mean, we only need to take a look at the District of Crime, once known as the District of Columbia. And you can see the mass exodus of people now given the crime rates and other things they're soaring as they continue to paint murals, Black Lives Matter murals and other BS on the streets. But why is it that we give credit to those who push false narratives and applause and kudos for stating the obvious? Well, they do this purposely. Why? Because they it lends to their credibility. It lends to the false perception they're actually unbiased and truthful. So in this episode, I'm going to give you some key insights on how this manipulation is done, how they use it to deceive you. And I'll use some facts, some subtle nuances, and how they use facts, subtle nuances, and false narratives. And then repeat, repeat, repeat those false narratives until fiction becomes fact and fact becomes fiction. You know, Mark Twain, I think, put it very eloquently when he said it's easier to fool someone than it is to convince them that they have been fooled. It's easier to fool someone than it is to convince them than they have been fooled. And that's the essence of today's episode. So before we begin, let's get a little background on this so-called fact checker. Who is he? According to his bio on the Washington Post website, it states, Glenn Kessler has been an editor-in-chief writer of the fact checker since 2011 making him one of the pioneers pioneers of political fact-checking. In a journalism career spanning more than four decades, Kessler has covered foreign policy, economic policy, the White House, Congress, politics, airline safety, and Wall Street. He was the Washington Post's chief State Department reporter for nine years, traveling around the world with three secretaries of state, before that, he covered tax and budget policy for the Washington Post and also served as the newspaper's 
national business editor. So he's supposedly a credible journalist. And because he's has these different credentials of hanging out with State Department secretaries, reporting in these other areas, it gives the aura of credibility, but says nothing about the specifics of his reporting. And, I mean, he's been fact-checking since 2011, and this makes him a pioneer. How does fact-checking make someone a pioneer? Again, just think of the Ministry of Truth and how the Ministry of Truth has been used and abused by the Department of Homeland Security and why it was silenced. Now, this guy here with the Washington Post bios praising him as being a trendsetter. One could say that they think of him as a young pioneer. Remember the young pioneers? There's a Soviet era, era group of communist followers. The all-union organization named after Vladimir Ilyich Lenin was known as the Young Pioneers. It was a compulsory youth organization in the Soviet Union for the indoctrination of children and adolescents, 9 to 14, that existed between 1922 and 1991. But Glenn Kessler, according to the Washington Post, is a pioneer in this fact-checking business. But I think the analogy is appropriate. So I digress a bit. So let's get back to the first example here. In the first example of how the Washington Post and Mr. Kessler drives false narratives, in my opinion, they published a so-called fact-check in July of this year, amplified the lie in August, and then repeated the lie again in September. All sequenced, all sequenced, to testimony, statements, and whistleblower information coming out about Hunter Biden and his daddy, the Manchurian president. So let's walk through this example to give you an idea of how they manipulate, in my opinion, manipulate, influence, and conduct cognitive warfare with subtle propaganda and disinformation. As vice president, the article states, flew to the Ukraine in early December 2015. He read through his briefing materials in preparation for a meeting with Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko and what would be a momentous, momentous speech to the Ukrainian parliament. The goal of the trip, a key goal of the trip, was to urge the government to crack down on corruption. So Glenn Kessler in his article talks about under tactical policy known, known inside the Obama administration as big hugs and little punches, U.S. officials plan to have Biden urge Poroshenko to fire prosecutor Viktor Shokin, but at the same time sign a renewal of a $1 billion loan guarantee. On the plane, though, on the plane over, Kessler points out, according to a person who participated in a conversation with Biden, that Biden called an audible. He changed the plan. It was time for a bigger punch. Now, you see here, already in the article, already in the article, we see a subtlety nuance to show Biden's strength. He's going to be a bigger puncher here. But at the same time, it buttresses the false narrative. He's going to push that Biden was already on his way to fire Prochenko and to hold him accountable. Now, he goes on to say other officials involved in the policy process, including two who were also on Biden's plane, don't quite remember 
Biden makes such a forceful intervention. So despite the fact that Biden didn't make such a forceful intervention, according to other people who were on the plane, Kessler pushes this, pushes this whole vision of Biden being strong and calling for a bigger punch. He goes on to say Biden in 2018 appeared before the Council of Foreign Relations and acknowledged, and everyone saw this tape, he acknowledged by saying that I was supposed to announce there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. But Biden went on to say because Poroshenko hadn't taken action against Shokin, Biden said, we're not going to give you a billion dollars until he's fired. Well, it's very interesting here. The moment when Obama administration decided to link Shokin's firing to the loan guarantee, Kessler writes, has never been firmly established. Well, it never was. Biden decided to unilaterally take this action, and then he bragged about it on the air. He bragged about it on the air, and it's captured on the tape with the Council on Foreign Relations, how he basically extorted the Ukraine into firing Shokin. And then he said, and if they didn't do it within so many hours, they won't get the money. And so Biden goes, well, son of a bee. They fired him. So this is interesting here. As Kessler goes on to say that House Speaker Kevin McCarthy directed the House committees to begin impeachment inquiry into Biden. With one of the areas of focus, whether Biden pushed to fire Shokin to benefit his son Hunter's foreign business feelings. Well, Republicans have claimed that Biden sought Shokin's removal to benefit Burisma. But here's where Kessler varies again. He says, but the body of evidence shows that Shokin failed to act against Burisma to the distress of many senior U.S. officials. Well, that's not true. We've heard Shokin himself come out and say that he was conducting different aspects about it, but you don't see that in the written aspect in the fact checker from Glennie. So Glenn, Glenn closes out the article by noting the following. By the time we get to December 2015th, we've concluded the PGO is not going to get cleaned up under Shokin. And to encourage Poroshenko to demonstrate his commitment by replacing Shokin, Newland said her in her testimony. So here you have, he's citing Gloria uh, Newland, saying that they're looking to clean up things in there. But by the time 2015 came, and it came time to demonstrate that they had some authority and some push in his commitment to replacing Shokin, he never did. He never fired him. That is immediately. But once Biden came into country, Biden unilaterally made the decision to then push him out or they won't get the billion-dollar loan. But here in the article, then Kessler tosses in some additional information saying from Newland that she said that Shokin's ouster was made through the interagency process. But how can that be? Remember, little punch turned into big punch. Biden unilaterally made that decision. What was the interagency process that they went through to decide on Shokin's firing, Shokin's ouster? That, that's very interesting. So if it was, and the facts are out there, we'll put it out there. But the so-called fact checker forgets to include in a recent interview and statements made to Fox News, as I mentioned by Shokin, and the reality he was investigating, and that it also fails to look at the recent whistleblower insights that came into the payments 
into the payments to the Biden based on those events. Shokin said his firm, his firm personal conviction that he was fired because then President Biden and Hunter were bribed. Former Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko ousted Shokin in 2016. He was hired a year prior due to Shokin's alleged corruption and pressure from the U.S. government led by Biden. But here, Kessler, just after the interview, which is the so-called fact-checker, doesn't publish this. He doesn't publish this portion within the fact-check article he's talking to. So he hypes the interview. He hypes, hypes the interview with Shokin uh, after the fact and, and says in another piece, and, and says it, it wasn't, wasn't relevant. Okay, to hear Shokin tell it, regardless of Biden's motives, the threat in and of itself was corrupt to fire him. But you don't hear this in the Kessler article, which was written after Shokin testified or gave a statement on Fox News. Well, extortion is extortion. And then you have the recent testimony and public comments by former Hunter Biden's business partner, Devin Archer. Okay, Dar Archer according to Kessler, said that it would have been bad, it would have been bad to fight a prosecutor. And though this, therefore, Kessler points to that and says, well, that way, you know, it can't be tied to Hunter because he said it would have been bad for the business deal. But where's the facts? Where's the actual facts? It may have hurt their business deal for a temporary bit, but we didn't see that, did we? We've seen tens of millions of dollars being exchanged. But he was, Kessler was using, again, Archer's testimony, in my opinion, manipulating it slightly or much to basically say because Archer said it would be bad for business, Biden wasn't firing Shokin in support of Hunter and Burisma. Well, that's the nuances. That's the nuances and the false narratives that you see here. Now, we got to take a break here. We come back. We'll follow up here on some more examples of how the fact checker ties faction, fiction to fact and fact to fiction. Remember, all of our shows go to podcasts typically a day after broadcast is heard here on talk radio. You can hear them on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and iHeart Podcast, and many, many more. So be sure. To subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. We'll be right back. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Hey everyone, this is Nurse Kimberly Overton from Nurses Out Loud. Over time, our cell signaling molecules diminish, leaving us vulnerable to the wear and tear of life. With the Sea of Redox, we can start restoring and revitalizing our body at the cellular level. This is an incredible product that I personally use, and I can attest to seeing fantastic results that have included better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. ASEA supports our immune system and enhances our body's natural ability to repair itself. It's promoting overall well-being so that we can start experiencing a new level of vitality and resilience. It's time to take control of our health by harnessing the power of ASEA. Visit our online store at americaoutloud.shop and use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15% today. 
In 2008, people could spend an average of 12 seconds on a task without becoming distracted. Five years later, it was only eight seconds. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down. Thousands of five-star reviews proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back to the NAS Security Hour. I'm Ed Huglin, your host for this evening. And tonight, we're covering some examples in the cognitive war, the domestic cognitive war, how the free press uses different narratives to drive influence and to influence you and to deceive you. And the example I'm using here is from the Washington Post fact checker. Okay. The bottom line, the bottom line, Kessler wrote in his article, available evidence shows that U.S. policy executed but not developed by Joe Biden operated independently of his son's efforts to engage a PR firm to burnish Slavinsky's image. So in closing the article, he basically, again, uses subtleties to hide the fact and cover up the fact that Biden unilaterally changed policy, came forward with a big punch, and then extorted Ukrainians to fire Shokin. So let's go on to another example. Another analysis by the fact checker was titled, A Guide to Why the House is Looking into Biden's Impeachment. Now, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy directed three House committees to begin an impeachment inquiry into President Biden recently. Now that the House has embarked on a formal impeachment inquiry, albeit one that is proceeding without a vote to open it, readers are bound to have questions, Glenn Kleiser writes. So he's going to answer some questions that he thinks you have in this article. And he provides, as he says, a quick guide to what's behind the allegations against the president, most of which concern Hunter's business practices. Now, as we go through this, pay attention, because he continues to reiterate some of the deceitful statements and false narratives of his prior articles. He starts off by, well, what do we know about Hunter's Biden's business? And he states, Biden's younger son earned millions of dollars doing international business deals while his father was vice president. He traded an family name, in some cases holding positions that posed the appearance of conflicts with his father's job. The most jarring example is when Hunter Biden in 2014 became a board director of the Ukrainian energy firm Burisma. Now, I'll stop here for a second and note that this article came three days prior to the last article we just discussed. But let's see how he amplifies his deceit and use of the information as he calls himself, he's doing fact-checking. Now, the other aspect here, he's doing fact-checking, but he's writing an article to answer questions of what you may have about Hunter Biden's background on business dealing with his dad. It's not fact-checking. It sounds more like, again, a propaganda narrative. What's his intent? 
Well, let's find out. He goes on to write, Hunter Biden has a troubled life. He was discharged from the Navy Reserve for drug use. And according to the memoir published in 2021, he actively used crack cocaine and abused alcohol, especially after his older brother, Bo, died of cancer. Well, everybody knows that now. Everybody knows. But this guy writes it as it's a tough life, no doubt. But what the hell's this got to do with Biden? What is it? It's woe is me. Woe is me. A play for pity. That's what he's doing here in the article. In the middle of the, in the, his assessment to give you facts, so-called facts, and give you an understanding of Hunter Biden, he gives you a woe is me thing saying that this poor guy, his brother died, therefore he went off, became a crack addict, and started getting out with hookers and stuff. Okay? See what I mean? It's sort of a subtlety in there. But if you're not paying attention and you just read through the article, you think, oh, woe is me. So let's give a little bit of pity to Hunter and his dad, okay, for the fact this guy went off, became a crack addict. So Kessler goes on to say, President Biden has been defensive about his son, insisting he did no wrong. And once in a 2020 presidential debate, falsely claiming that his son earned nothing from business deals in China. Uh, falsely claiming that his son earned nothing from business deals in China. So here's an example where Kessler comes out with a bit of truth. But it's obvious, so obvious. Why? Because now you have several witnesses and whistleblowers who've come out and talked about this. So he has to admit, he has to acknowledge some of the facts to remain credible as a fact checker. But this, but does this right? He goes right back to amplify, amplify misinformation, disinformation, and replay this other story several times by stating the following. He goes on to in the article state, state this. What was Joe Biden's connection? Republicans have long suspected that Joe Biden acted with corrupt intent through his son, though no evidence has emerged to support that. So he goes, pity, pity, tosses a bit of truth in, and then comes back to Joe Biden and say, what's the connection? And he says, there's no evidence to emerge to support that. You get the whistleblowers. You have the bank records. You have the transfer of millions of dollars to the Biden family. So Kessler goes on to say, for instance, they have claimed that Biden pushed to remove the prosecutor to aid the company that employed his son. Even though the policy had been set by the U.S. government and was supported by the U European Union and International Monetary Fund. But he didn't say that in his other article, did he? He says, small, small punch got moved to a big punch. Biden unilaterally took those efforts. Now he's adding all this other stuff in about the inter International Monetary Fund, European Union, and everyone wanted Shokin fired. So he even twists again the testimony from Devin Archer again. In this article about his father and son's business dealings to get you the so-called facts, the questions you want to know about. Again, he repeats that Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's business partner, told congressional investigators that it was his understanding that the removal of the prosecutor was a setback for the company. But again, it may have been a setback for the company, but it doesn't refute the fact that Shokin was fired by forcefully fired because Biden extorted the government out of a billion dollars. But just because Archer states the removal is a setback doesn't mean, again, that the firing didn't happen. 
It did. Okay, so Kessler, again, uses these subtleties to hide and drive a specific narrative and propaganda that Biden and his son are doing nothing related. There's no facts or evidence for what's happening between Biden and his son and his father's involvement, despite Devin Archer's fuller testimony goes in to say that, talks about the use of the family name, okay, and the branding. But Kessler comes back and says in the article, what was the House uncovered so far? Republicans have drilled many more dry holes. But you would not know that from some of the rhetoric. For instance, Republicans say they have discovered the Biden family earned $20 million from foreign sources. But most of that money went to business associates of Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden himself earned about $7.5 million. Now, stopping here again for a second, the last time I checked, $7.5 million out of $20 million, that's pretty damn much nearly half. Okay. And the money went to Hunter Biden. Okay. Yet Glenn Kessler starts his whole paragraph out talking about how Republicans have drilled many dry holes. But then he admits Hunter Biden gets $7.5 million. But what he goes on to say is where the documents also pointed to earnings by some other family members, other family members, such as Joe Biden's brother and daughter-in-law, no money has been traced to Joe Biden. What he doesn't tell you that the big next sentence, yet, yet. But Glennie doesn't say anything about the multiple LLCs and offshore accounts that are still being investigated and that the Republicans also had did up, digged up in this in this overall affair, nor about the IRS whistleblowers who pointed out the same thing. So that there's more multiple different shell companies here being being used. And if the money is going to the family, remember the Sopranos? Okay, does the big guy have to get his money directly if it goes to the family? No, I don't think so. So Kessler goes on to say, what are some outstanding questions? The holy grail for Republicans would be to direct evidence showing Biden secretly was involved in Hunter's business while he was vice president. After becoming attorney general, Garland heeded the urging of Republicans and such as Representative James Comer. Now, note he notes Comer because Comer is driving this investigation, chairman of the House Oversight Committee, to keep in place the Donald Trump appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware. And you hear this BS all the time. Yes, Donald Trump appointed attorney Delaware. It has nothing to do with whether the attorney's corrupt or not. Okay. It has nothing to do with whether David Weiss is acting, okay, legitimately or not. Because he then goes on to say, but when that U.S. attorney, David Weiss, reached a plea deal with Hunter Biden, Republicans cried foul, citing whistleblower testimony claiming Weiss's pros had been hampered by political influence. Once the deal fell apart, Weiss asked Garland to appoint him special counsel, which Garland did. But everybody's seen this now. It's been across the national news. Hunter got a sweetheart deal, which the federal judge says was just absolutely wrong and not acceptable. So here in the end, Kessler doesn't answer the question, but now goes on to repeat the same BS that Weiss is a Trump-appointed attorney and uses that to dismiss the fact that Weiss was basically slapped down by a federal judge, not only for dismissing the gun charge, but letting the IRS felon charge a tax evasion 
completely expire. But none of this is in the article. So you can you get woe is me, obfuscation of the facts, hidden facts, facts not discussed here at all. But what's he doing in this article? He get, he again amplifies politically motivated talking points from Democrats. He doesn't give the full story, and he repeats information that may be nice, like Devin Archer saying the firing of Shokin was an issue, but doesn't actually say that Biden did so, and that his son was paid. He he actually even dismisses the seven point five million that Hunter was paid. So. You know, we can go on with this one here, but let's move to another article. In the next article here, he looks at Cassidy Hutchins' book, and he writes an article about how her book, a former Trump administration employee, joins many Trump insiders in terms of writing books about Trump and what sells. But here again, I have to ask, he's a fact checker. He's supposed to be doing fact checking. But he's doing an analysis of book reviews and books about Trump. Why is he doing this? Because, again, the narrative here, the narrative is here. He can go under the auspices of fact and say, here's what these books say. Here's what they do. But it's all about a propaganda narrative undermining Trump. These people wrote books which were negative about Trump. Okay. So why is the fact checker just analyzing books? And Why hasn't he ever fact checked? People like Adam Schiff or Nancy Pelosi. I mean, they tell untruths and lies all the time. We've seen Schiff do this throughout his whole, and Pelosi throughout the whole two impeachments. But what's what what Kessler goes on in this this article to say is what's especially striking about the Trump administration is the sheer number of insiders who felt compelled to write about their experiences during his tumultuous presidency. So let me stop there again for a second. Tumultuous presidency. Why was it tumultuous? Because it was a false dossier paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign, two false impeachments based on that, and then a false investigation by Mueller. It was a soft coup by a set of insurrectionists and subversions within the government. But how Kessler paints this is part of the propaganda narrative. The Trump administration and the sheer number of insiders who felt compelled to write about their experience during this tumultuous presidency. And then he writes in Perens, so far, no books have emerged from the Biden administration. Now, from my perspective, this speaks to why the progressive radical left is far more effective than conservatives in fighting the cognitive war. They stick together as a team. They do not subvert their own power base. Whereas we have a number of rhinos and subversives like Romney, Cheney, and others who just undermine Kissinger, who just undermine our efforts to hold people accountable and to get the truth out there every day. And here's just another example in this review of books. And the fact checker doing a book review, but not going after and doing fact checking on Adam, Adam Schiff, I don't think ever. Anyhow. Kessler goes on to write, a former White House aide, Cassidy Hutchinson, whose testimony before the House committee investigating the 6th January attack was so central to its efforts to shed light on Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election, will join the ranks with her book, 
enough pitched by Simon Schuster as the story of an idealistic young woman thrust into the middle of a national crisis. Now, you see all the subtleties in here. It's, there's this poor, idealistic young woman thrust into a national crisis. Bringing up the January 6th committee. All these different things are part of the narrative. They're part of pushing a certain propaganda and set of false narratives about not just the Trump administration, but to deceive you, to con you into believing a certain perspective while leaving out lots of different aspects of the tr truth. And then Kessler goes on to talk about a ranking of how Trump insider books did based on the data obtained by Circana Book Scan, which he says tracks about 85% of trade print books sold in the United States. Now, I said, a book may end up as a bestseller by selling 5,000 or more books in a week, but it's fair to say that many of these memoirs did not become monster bestsellers. But he points out one caveat. Conservative books often sell through non-traditional channels. Okay, but he doesn't say anything about why conservative books got to be sold through non-traditional channels. It's because they're censored, canceled, and stopped by regular traditional channels. Like Trump's coffee book table had to be go out and be sold through different alternative venue. So you see how this all ties together. You have the narrative, you have the false narrative, you have the deceit put in there. And now he's doing analysis of book reviews and books that were written by former Trump administration people. Brings in the 6th January, brings in this idealistic young lady. Now, he goes on. And his next portion of the article says 1,259,610 books were sold by Mary Trump in her book, Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man. Okay. So this is Trump's niece. She was not part of his administration. And he says, but her highly critical account of growing up in the Trump family is a useful benchmark to measure the success of other books. So far, no insider account has come close to her numbers. Okay, so you see the subtle nuances here. Her critical account of growing up in the Trump family is a useful benchmark. So he uses that to say he's actually talking about books and benchmark of how well they're doing. But he's actually doing a backhanded slap at Trump and undermining Trump with the regular narrative that you see from the propaganda whores in the media about conservatives and Trump writ large. He then talks briefly about John Bolton's book, Jim Comey's book, and he goes on for many others. Now, I got to take a break here again, but before, before we leave here, you can find out more about my show and get all the latest podcasts if you go to the menu nav bar at America Out Loud under our shows or the schedule. You see the NAS Security Hour and a slew of other great programs on there. Okay, there's another great team we have here on the National Security Hour. Plays Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Follow us. Stay engaged. You'll be in the know. I'll be right back. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news. Delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations.
Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Falker with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Welcome back to the National Security Hour. Tonight, we're talking about the fact checker. Fact is fiction and fiction is fact. And the subtleties of how these writers, in my opinion, use their narratives, false narratives, to drive a specific propaganda agenda. Agenda. When we last went on break here, I was talking about the different book reviews Kessler was doing. Okay. And, you know, he then goes on to list a number of different books. But let's move on to the next article here. Okay. In an article from September here, Comer claims that Biden's pseudonym email was code and Kessler says that's nonsense. So Kessler comes out and he claims uh, he says that James Comer claims that Biden's pseudonym email was code, and he says that's nonsense. Comer, that chair of the House Oversight Committee, again he goes in to talk about Comer and about Biden and his son business deal. But he then goes on to say Newsmax flashed an image of the email sent from the assistant to the vice president to the address of Robert L. Peters at PCI.gov. And Hunter Biden was copied on the email. Now, what Kessler does with this narrative in this specific so-called fact check, okay, again, he's writing about emails and pseudonym. He says the facts, as we've noted before, there are two narratives about the dismissal of Victor Shokin. The original narrative documented at the time was that the European Union International Monetary Fund in the United States Along, now he adds this, along with some Republican senators. So you see, he started off at being an Obama administration policy small punch. Then Biden going big punch. And Biden making a unilateral decision. But now then Newland came in and it was an interagency process. But you don't hear the interagency process anymore, do you? What you hear now is they've added the European Union, International Monetary Fund. Okay. So the story continues to 
morph. The false narrative continues to morph, in other words, from my perspective. Okay. Poroshenko needed to remove Shokin to demonstrate he was serious about dealing with the perennial problem in the Ukrainian government, corruption. To put pressure on Poroshenko, Biden withheld a billion promised dollars, okay, until Shokin was moved. But again, notice Kessler says nothing about the fact Biden made this decision unilaterally. It wasn't the Obama administration's position, and that's why he's not going back and repeating what I believe is a false narrative about the interagency process. What's the proof? Put it out there. The alternative narrative, Kessler goes on to say, is that Shokin was removed at Biden's behest because he was getting ready to act against the owner of Burisma. And he says there is little evidence that this is the case. Now, note before he said there's no evidence to support this. The Republicans were drilling dry holes. But as you get more and more whistleblowers and information comes out, he has to CYA, okay? He has to CYA himself. So now he's saying there's little, little evidence. Well, you know, little bit of evidence, meaning there is some. But he then goes on to say, as a specific complaint of international community where Shokin had failed to act against Burisma, but that has not stopped Republicans like Comer from advancing this alternative narrative, even in the face of new evidence. Okay, so again, he glosses over the facts, he hides facts, he repeats things, and he adds things to it, like the International Monetary Fund and our European Union. He repeats Archer's statement in this article as well, saying the finding was a setback for Burisma. Well, so what? What are the facts? Biden extorted the Ukrainian government out of a billion dollars U.S. government taxpayer dollars until they fired Shokin to benefit his son. So Kessler goes back on to say, so all this took place before the email that concerns Comer. Okay, basically saying that Comer's email he's referring to was sent, okay, after all this other stuff took place. But what he doesn't say and he actually goes on to give Comer four Pinocchios here. But let's look and let's relook at what Comer actually stated. Joe Biden was using a pseudonym and he copied his son about shady business transactions. What Kessler doesn't say about this is a pseudonym was one of many that Comer was talking about. And he wasn't necessarily talking about just the one. So again, you see how he subtly ties in what he puts forth as fact. Was, which is indeed fiction. And the fiction then becomes fact because then people look at the stuff, they read these articles, and they put it out and say, look what the fact checker said. So here's another obvious example. Biden loves to retell certain stories. Some aren't credible. Okay, so again, this is a fact check article, but it really doesn't give any Pinocchios here. It's just an assessment. But here's where conservatives and other folks would come out and applaud this man, okay, for telling us something we all told true because we've seen Biden lie on TV numerous different times. Kessler in this article, right, Biden loves to retell certain stories. Some aren't credible. Well, duh. <laughs> you know, he goes on to talk about the Maui fire, and Biden recalled how lightning had once struck a pond outside his home, sparking a fire to make a long story short, Biden said, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. But one has to stop here for a moment. And how the hell does this guy get away with 
this comparison, meaning President Biden, after a thousand people burnt to death. Where's the empathy for those people? It's all about Biden, Biden, Biden. And that's what he does in his stories. You ever notice about that? You can have a million people killed, and it's about Biden and his son, Bo. It's not about empathy with the people. And from my perspective, this says a lot about the Manchurian president, where his head's at. So then Kessler goes on to say, but throughout his career, most famously in the presidential campaign, in the 1988 election cycle, Biden propensity to exaggerate or embellish tales about his life led to doubts about his truthfulness. That's because he actually lied many times. He plagiarized material, and he lied about that as well. But the fact checker just states this led to doubts about his truthfulness. Really? Led to doubts about his truthfulness? So President Biden, he writes, has brought honesty and integrity back to the Oval Office. Deputy White House Press Secretary Andrew Bates told the fact checker. Okay, so here the fact checker goes in and obviously in cahoots with the White House and asks him about President Biden and what's their statement back? Biden has brought honesty and integrity back to the Oval Office. And he goes on to say, like he promised, he gives the American people the truth right from the shoulder and takes pride in being straight with the country about his agenda and values. This comes from the press secretary, including by sharing life experiences that have shaped his outlook and that hardworking people can relate to. And you just have to stop and all. Here's the White House deputy press secretary stating this. As everybody knows, that Biden's been lying like a piece of Schiff, like Adam Schiff. We all know it. We've seen him. But let me not digress. Kessler goes on to talk about an accounting of some of Biden's favorite tales, like the tale of the fire in his house. At least six times as president, most recently in the, in the hurricane, Biden exaggerated the extent of a fire that occurred in his house in 2004. He also goes on to talk about the Amtrak conductor and saying that the president is talking about being an Amtrak and traveling so many millions of miles and stuff like that. And then talking to the uh, person the, the, uh, who was on the train, the conductor, okay, and, and about the conductor saying he adored Biden. But Biden didn't pass the 1.2 million mark until 2016 where this conductor had retired from Amtrak in 1993, 16 years before Biden became vice president. So Biden embellished that tale. He, he had the tale of two men kissing in suits, okay, and saying that his dad told him simply at the time, Joey, it's simple. They love each other, okay? And he used these examples to say these are tall tales, lies that Biden told. And he gives a little bit of background in terms of what it. But in the end of this, in the end of this whole effort, there's no Pinocchios. He just repeats what everyone knows is the truth. Biden's a liar. But then you get all sorts of pundits pointing to this one article that the fact checker gets mostly right. But why does he do this? Because he has to lend credibility to the whole sham and the cognitive war being played on you. He has to put forth these specific bits of truth now and then so that when you listen to him or I mean read his column okay he has that perception of being truthful and it's worked now for a number of years since he started this whole process 
So the point of this discussion today, and I'm going to go on and talk about Bill Maher, some, a few examples of Bill Maher here in a second. But the point of the discussion here today is when you take a look at fact checkers, think Ministry of Truth. Take a look at what he's saying and what he's actually saying. But then assess what he's written and take a look at what did he leave out? Why did he leave it out? This is purposeful. It's all purposeful to undercut undercut certain specific truths that are out there and turn fact into fiction and put fiction into fact. It's very Orwellian in style. So Bill Maher, Bill Maher, you know, again, as I mentioned up front, he comes on every now and then and he talks about progressive policies and he basically admits certain ones are screwed up. But then people praise him like he's some saint. But you never see him, you never see him dismiss the overall progressive agenda. You never see him push away from the progressive agenda. No, because he supports it. But why does he do that? Well, he do he does that just like Kessler does, in my opinion, to lend himself a credibility, a level of credibility, okay, and a perception that he is credible and trustworthy. But I wouldn't trust him. So wokeism, Donald Trump's targets of Bill Maher as he skewers extremes at Grand Prairie Show. Okay, this is from the Star Telegram in an article written back here, I believe, in August or something. Okay, and they talk about Bill Maher has long been that he's personally purposely divisive. Okay. He's been able to remain relevant and stand out comic for 40 years, engaging in television talk shows for and hosts for nearly three decades. Four, yeah, three decades. Trying to understand where political side is coming from has always been built into Mars Charm as a comedian, this article writes. And they talk about Bill Maher in this, in this uh, HBO series, Real Time, that he, he hosts things on. And Bill Maher said, everyone's welcome on my show. Even the QAnon conspiracy theorist he has famously mocked. I love QAnon people, Mars said. They believe Democrats both eat babies and are pedophiles. I don't think you could do both. That's a joke that drew snarl from one fan. Okay. But the point here is the whole QAnon aspect as well. I've talked about this before. Let me digress for a second. The whole QAnon aspect before. Where was that come from? Why haven't you heard about that since? Because it's part of the false narratives they put forth. I think the real aspect of QAnon was developed by the progressives to create an enemy, as people like to create enemies. They need an enemy to counter stuff, and they need an enemy to point to. But Bill Maher, in his efforts, have gone on numerous different times and talked about progressive policies and such. And then made the obvious statements about something that's true and is praised for it. So in, in this article that was written about Barr, it says, Marr acknowledged proudly we have to learn to sit together then, don't we? He predicted the 2024 presidential race will be a rematch between President Biden and Trump to the audible disappointment in the room. Marr said, nobody wants it, but nobody's going to stop it from happening. He argued, I can't wait for those debates between Trump and Biden. It will be the first debate for closed caption for the participants. Okay, so it gets the audience roars. The brewing Hunter Biden scandal, he talks about, looks bad. But it's not in the same area code as the January 6th insurrection scandal. 
So here again, you have Bill Maher. He says something truthful that's probably going to be Trump and Biden. He makes a joke about having to have close caption. Then he talks about the Hunter Biden scandal and says it looks bad. But it's not as bad as the January 6th scandal. So here you have, again, pushing the false narrative, pushing a specific false narrative to hide what's going on here. You have a maturing president and his son, who, in my opinion, are completely compromised. They've gotten tens of millions of dollars from Russia, China, and Ukraine. They got the prosecutor fired that was looking after looking after Hunter Biden and his Burisma company. And then Marr makes this statement that the January 6th scandal wasn't, uh, uh, but Biden stuff isn't on par with that. You mean when someone commits treason against their country, it's not on par with a few miscreants who demonstrated on 6th January? But this is why it's important and why I cover with you each week here on the National Security Hour different examples of how progressives in the left and also China and Russia are conducting this cognitive war. It's important to understand how this battle is being fought because if you don't understand it and aren't aware of it, you'd be lost in it, cause chaos, cause confusion. So I hope today's examples of how the fact checker states fact is fiction and makes fiction fact. I'm here in the National Security Hour to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I will go outside of the fog of the daily chaos to give you a strategic perspective on national security issues and speak truth to power, the power of we the people, so we together can best ensure the resilience and security of a republic. Thanks for joining us on the mission. The National Security Hour is the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America.